When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, how you doing? I'm pretty good. You? I'm doing good, Louie. It's good to have you on and everything. I'm glad that you're feeling better. Oh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, so if there's background noise, I'm sorry. My girlfriend's, like, building something for the baby at the same time. It's okay, man. It's, it's all perfectly right. fine. All right. So, all right. Let's go on ahead and get into it. So, hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have Louis, ba- Louis the French back on with me again, and I just want to say thank you again for being on the show. Thank you. Louis the Frenchie. One day you'll get it. Yeah, one day. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm doing very good. Thank you very much. About the pop a baby. Well, my girlfriend's about to pop a baby between now and the 4th of July. So uh, enjoy me when you can because uh, I won't be going to podcast for a little while after. <laughs> okay. Well, that's perfectly understandable, man. I just want to say, too, congratulations on being a father. That is a great privilege to be a father, man. I do appreciate well, thank you very much. It's a uh, it's a scary thing, first time father, but uh, I I can't wait to embrace the challenge. It's something that's scary at first, but exciting at this point. Exactly, man. And speaking of being a father and everything, you know, we're actually going to be doing our top ten animated films and everything. And I cannot wait to actually dive into this. Yeah. What you have? Tell me what you have for your number ten right now. Well, um. My list is not all just for children. There's uh, some okay. serious stuff on there, too. So my number okay. 10, I'll start with um, someone I surprised myself that went into the top 10 when I was doing the list. But it found its way in. Uh, the Animatrix. Oh, nice. I was actually going to put that on my, my list as well. Oh, nice. So it, it just almost made it, but didn't quite. Okay. Uh, no, for you, I'm asking. Oh, uh, for me, I just found something else to actually top it a little bit more than what I liked. Don't get me wrong. I love the animation. I love the story of the machines, Mm. how they actually came about. And also, too, where you actually have the story of where the machines took over the people Mm. and everything, too, and how people relied on machines and how the sky was darkened. That was my favorite story out of that whole entire thing. Nice. Me was the the house that had glitches everywhere. Uh, with the the girl um, discovering also like abandoned children playing with it, uh, oh, that yeah. that really that really stood out to me because I like the like the Twilight Zone show and the freaky things that you know don't have full explanations but encapsulate a freaky moment. And for me, that's what kind of resonated for me. It felt very um, you know, that kind of show vibe. I can definitely see that, man, because that that's actually another one of my favorite ones, like you mentioned, for all those reasons, you know, and the Animatrix is really is a great uh, animation when you actually look look at it and everything. Mm. It really dived into the, what the Matrix actually is. It was like a prequel to the movie in a sense. Yeah, definitely. It for some stories it didn't add that much, you know. Right. But from like you said, the the, the origins. It, this is something that you they mention in a movie, so you can only imagine your head. But having the actual like something to to really rely on and follows a story to add into the mythology that they mentioned in the movie was so precious to me the first time I saw it. 
I agree. The visualization of everything, the way that mm-hmm. it was actually carried out was just phenomenal. And on, honestly, I I know they're doing Matrix 4, but I would love to see uh, a origin, like making that scene and adding more story to it, but doing like an origins of the first Matrix and the first city. You know what? That's what I want to see, though, too, as well. Because I want to see how the sky was darkened. I want to see the machines taking over. Exactly. And seeing all the ones that Neo, um, that Morpheus actually had to go through before he got the Neo. Mm-hmm. But then you get a, a lot of people. Get- Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, work never stops, even if nope. you're home. Exactly. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I lost my three and thoughts. Uh, what were you talking about? I was saying about how I would love to see them actually show how the sky was dark and the machines taking over. And then also to having Morpheus go into it about how we actually had to find other ones before Neo. Yeah, exactly. It's there's, they set up so much uh, potential. They really created uh, an interesting world. Um, And I just hope that it won't go in the Terminator Salvation route that like oh, they tried to offer something new, but it just, you know, it felt so off. Now, again, if they go that route, a lot of people are also going to complain another prequel, you know, technically it is going to be a prequel. So they really have to uh, create a story that's so impeccable for it to work because it can not work very easily. Exactly. And that's also why I didn't like Terminator Salvation as well, like you mentioned. And it just didn't deliver as much as I wanted to. So I'm hoping Mm. that they actually do something creativity into this prod into the project and everything to where it will actually be just as good as the very first Matrix film. Mm. Yeah. All right. So uh, we talked a lot about Matrix. What about your 10, sir? So my 10 will be The Incredibles. Mm. For the simple fact is. You know, you have this super power family, the superhero family, and you have the world actually rooting for this family. And nobody knows who they are. And it's also an OC, which is original characters. Mm -hmm. And that's what I liked about it was the originality behind the characters and the story with it. And the characterization of everything was just perfectly well done, perfectly well executed. I like the animation style of way that Pixar was able to do it. And also gave us characters that was actually relatable. Yeah, talking about characters, uh, what is, who is your favorite character in all the movies? Oh my god, I would have to go with the baby the most mm. <laughs> that I really liked. But if I'm going to have to go with a character that I can actually uh, gravitate towards, it would actually have to be the brother and everything. Okay. All right. Because, uh, yeah. Me, it's it's the dad. It's the main character. Um, I I can definitely relate to you know doing the right for the right cause. What you have mm. to do and sacrificing some stuff, and just being tired of it. <laughs> right, exactly. And then also too, you're trying to also do the right, try and help your. You know, it even goes into the whole entire thing about how how to actually have an original or have a. Uh, a regular life and actually having to face that and also having to juggle being a superhero at the same time. True. Well. Yeah, the, 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 the uh, Pixar is very good at underlaying really 
interesting underlinings to their movies and that balance between like normal life and a superhero hasn't been done really before you know not at this extent um they they really brought some originality to the movie enough to it sticks to your mind you know compared to right. certain animations that try to go for a hero route uh like big hero six is not in my um in my top list because for me it's fade right uh there's too much of a pop in it um and for that movie i think uh, the incredibles for me there's something human and you can really relate to which is hard to do exactly and like you said it is actually something that's actually hard to do and everything where you're trying to balance the movie out and I yeah. feel like they did a really good job of balancing everything out to where, okay, it's like, okay, we have this w- one scene where this family is taking down this one villain. And then we have mm. another scene where he's actually juggling to be a normal human being. So, okay. I mean, there's that. And it's just like everyday life as a, mm. as, as, you know, and he, I feel like they actually captured the emotion of what they're trying to do as being a normal human being and everything as well when they're trying to do that part yeah and like overall also it's fun that's the thing they like say it's well it's well balanced because you have a lot of like you know it shows they really spend a lot of time researching the like the perfect atmosphere but the story it's not sacrifice right uh Mm -hmm. it's a fun the villain is just perfect he's you know not much of a of like, yeah, a bit of backstory, but he was fun enough not to be, you know, not rememberable. Uh, I can still see him in the movie and laugh at his stuff uh, if I rewatch it. So they did a good job also giving a villain that doesn't take over, but is interesting enough to, to stick in your brain. Exactly. And he wasn't secondary. He was just like the primary of that film, like you mentioned, yeah. to where he sticks with you. He really does. All right, so uh, to my uh, number nine, I guess. Nine. Yep. All right. Uh, I'm not sure you've seen this movie, man. I'm going old school. I'm going okay. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, dude. I love that movie. All right. Uh, is it on your list? <laughs> it's not on my list or anything like that, but it's good to see my childhood actually on your list. Yeah, man. All Dogs Go to, go to Heaven. I'll be completely transparent. It's been a while, haven't seen it, and I can't remember the full movie, but I know if I rewatch it, I watched it so many times when I was uh, uh, a kid that I remember the impact it gave me. I remember the emotions it gave me. It's the first animation, one of the first animation I've seen that, you know, was nice and cartoony and fun, but made me feel there's sad moments, there's uh, cute moments, there's moments of, of comedy, but... I don't. I didn't remember before that movie when I was young actually experiencing a whole flux of emotions. So that really stuck with me. Exactly, and you have Don Louise that actually plays the voice of the main uh, character too. Who does? Don DeLuise, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. That... Don DeLuise plays uh, plays Itchy. Okay. I then, have no clue that is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, he's like a comedic actor or whatever, but he played Itchy. And then Burt Reynolds actually played Charles. Okay. Uh, yeah, Burt Reynolds, uh, I remember. Don DeLuise, I have no clue. Yeah. He, you probably might not know him, but I do, though. I, I just grew around a classic family. <laughs> but 
right. You know, what I liked about it was was there was actually a moral to the whole entire thing with all dogs go to heaven. But also, too, you have a, a dog named Charles who's actually a hustler on the streets <laughs> that hmm. lies and connives his way yeah. through just about anything. And then he gets whacked by this other dog. And then he winds up trying to fi- find a way to where he can actually um, redeem himself again. Mm. And, you know? and you, you see, just then when you said the word, like when he gets whacked, right? Right. That made me feel like, as a kid, it's like it, this movie deals about death, you know? Yeah. Uh, these are darker subjects that are very hard to bring into a family movie, like an animated family movie. Because sure. it can really like stick out as a sort of thumb. But they did a good job using it as a really interesting premise and makes you forget, you know, he's dead. Uh, it makes you forget that emotion, but moves on to other things. Uh, and it, it, for me, it's just perfectly balanced. And uh, the animation, you know, yes, it's old style, but for me, still stands up. I was looking at little snippets on YouTube, and for me, it still works. Most definitely. It still works out in its favor, I'm, even though it's old school drawing, which mm-hmm. I love old school drawing. Yeah. And, you know, I liked Itchy. Itchy was probably one of my favorite characters out of the thing where he's trying to t- persuade him to do the right thing. Mm. And, of course, you know, he's going to do whatever he's going to do anyways, because that's who he is. Mm. <laughs> because he... Mm. Because don't forget, he thinks that he can live connive his way throughout anything. And that's also another thing, too. It also tells you not to lie. It teaches mm. you morals yeah. and everything, too. True. And I like the whole entire thing that you said about the death. Yeah, it's, um, again, it, it's not a subject, uh, you know, well, you usually kids uh, are used to, you know, ponder on uh, because I remember this 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 movie. It was still like mature subjects, but it wasn't aimed towards like 14, 15 year olds, you know? I'm sure there's some that watched it, but I remember when I was young, um, I was like, what, five when I saw it? So it's deep for a five year old to watch that. Most definitely. And I think I was like seven, maybe six when I saw that movie. And my mom mm. rented it at the uh, at a video store. It's like, I rented you this movie. And I I didn't have a clue that it was that dark until maybe I got older. I'm like... Shoot. Yeah. But know? subconsciously, you, you know, right? Just Right. You're conscious uh, after a while. But subconsciously, kids register that stuff. Exactly, because I was also dealing with the death of my father during that time, though, too. okay. So it actually helped me cope with that whole entire thing a little bit better. Okay. You know? All right. So let's see here. So let's see here. I'm going to go on ahead and go with my number nine, which is the Iron Giant. Uh, I can't remember if I've seen that movie or not. I was... Like looking at it, it kept telling me something, and I kind of remember a bit of the story, but I really can't remember if I saw it. I love this movie. Ben Diesel plays the Iron Giant, of course. There's har- there's hardly any dialogue with the Iron Giant or anything like that. But it's mm. basically about this kid who doesn't really fit in. He's kind of like the outcast, and then all of a sudden, this giant uh, giant comes in from outer space and. You know, and he's trying to teach him from right from wrong as well because he doesn't know 
what's right and wrong. And he's also teaching the value of friendship as well. Hmm. And the whole dynamic between the whole entire thing where with the Iron Giant and the kid actually works out really well. It was a well well balanced film. As a matter of fact, the animation style and everything is really old school if you actually look at it now. Okay. But it's, because this movie, I think, came out, I think maybe two thousand somewhere around that area. I think I'm not one hundred percent sure on that. But you know, when you look at the at how it teaches you about the morals and the values and stuff. It it, it it really does move your heart. It pulls on your heartstrings. You wind up crying. You wind up laughing through this thing. There's actually some drama within itself as well. So, I mean, it's a perfectly gra- that's what gravitated me towards that movie. All right. And it's but, like, can you explain me the story a bit or for those who have, haven't seen it yet? Yeah. Um, basically, I'm going to go on ahead and Basically, I have it in my notes. All right. <laughs> it's actually about this animated adaptation of Ted Hughes's Cold War fable of a giant alien robot who crashes and lands near the small town of Rockwell, Maine. And here's the thing. I'm from Boston. Okay. And everything. And I've actually been to Maine before. I've been to Bangor, Maine before. And, you know, and for them to actually hit home with me with that part, that's what actually gravita- get gravitated towards me even more is the fact that it comes from Maine mm. and then um, it, it sits in 1957 and explores the area of a local nine year old boy Hogarth who discovers the robot and soon forms an unlikely friendship with him when a paranoid government agent Kent Mansley becomes determined to destroy the robot and he must do what they can to save the misunderstood machine and basically, if you think of it like this, he's like a misunderstood Hulk. Mm. He gets into a bunch of the and everything. He gets into a bunch of trouble. He doesn't understand anything. He accidentally uh, destroys a building or something, and he doesn't understand fully of what his strengths are and his weaknesses so are. Basically, what you're saying, like for everything you're saying to me, uh, it kind of sounds like ET meets Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> All right. Okay. So it's it's an yeah. ET meets Godzilla in the animated form. You see that right there right. is interesting. Right, and not only that, like I said, Ben doesn't have any dialogue. Mm. Except maybe for maybe one or two lines at that, if that. But what pulls you in is the facial expressions of the robot of the machine itself. Is what pulls you in of the Iron Giant. It, it it's what makes him lovable. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, you know what? That might be uh, that might be on the maybe next challenge if ever I'm able to do the first one. <laughs> you never know. Okay. All right. All right. Um, can I do mine? Yeah, of course. Go on ahead. All right. My number eight is Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay, I didn't see this one. Oh, okay. How can I say this? Uh, it is a Wes Anderson movie. If you are familiar with with Anderson movie, you understand when I say this movie has his style, his humor. There's something so offbeat, so unique onto itself that you see the movie. If you don't didn't know it was a Wes Anderson movie, you guess it's a Wes Anderson movie. The story relates to World War II meets. Uh, civilization of foxes trying to uh, survive in a farm 
of like um like a dairy farm a meat farm like the three brothers right oh. and they're all like they want to kill them they want to find a way to exterminate them because they keep eating the food and they're just trying to survive but it's made in a world war ii setting it's claymation it is so kids could watch it but we're not really understand like what it means because there's so many references in the dialogue that you can connect as an adult, you re really can connect the Sophie's Choice, the World War II movies, like almost Scissor's List, a uh, couple of thing, um, couple of moments, right? But made right. in a very cute setting, so it's very off-putting. It's very, it, it, it makes you reflective in, even more because this movie looks so innocent. But there's no blood, there's no like really hard scenes, but just enough to really make you feel something interesting. Okay. I like the whole idea of the concept of a World War II type of setting in an animation because I'm a huge history buff oh. and to actually see that play out I would like to actually see that. Alright. Sounds good. Um, what about yours? I'm going to put down the Great Mouse Detective. That's uh, what I have. Can't rem I may have seen it when I was a child but probably never revisited it. Okay. Think of Sherlock Holmes. All right. But as a mouse. Okay. And I love this film because of that. Because they actually play into the whole Sherlock Holmes thing. Matter of fact, the mouse has a hole at the bottom of, inside the same house as Sherlock does. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. So basically, you see the same mannerisms that you do with Sherlock. And he actually carries on, the mouse actually carries on that same thing with what he does. So huh. you actually get to see the mannerisms of Sherlock Holmes through a mouse. And you see Watson as a mouse hmm. as well. And wait, is it a thing chubby, is, like orange mouse, orange mouse? Yep. Okay. It's starting to, to form a picture <laughs> in my head. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I think I've seen that movie <laughs> once. Oh, I loved it. Huh? This movie came out in 1986. Wow, one year As before well. I was born, <laughs> and I was in I was born in eighty five. Uh, all right, <laughs> so, all right, yeah. So early childhood memory, right there, huh? Right, yeah. And Vincent Price actually played Professor Raddington, which mm. is the the main villain, is uh, Raddington. But another thing too that I want to mention is the fact that you know you have a despicable character. And everything too, but the funny thing too is you actually have a have mice that actually goes to the mouse detective, like you would see on Baker uh, Street, where someone would go to Sherlock for help. So you would mm. actually get so therefore you actually see mice going to the great mouse detective to solve a mystery. Huh. So I love that whole entire idea and that concept. And then also too. They actually, get this, they actually had wine in this thing where you had a mouse that was drunk on wine. Yeah, and it, like <laughs> at a certain time, like it seemed to be easier to, like especially in the 80s, there's certain things that they put in that, you know, it's not references wine, but right. he there's something red and he's a bit bumbly, you know. As a kid, you yeah. might not realize unless you, you have alcoholic parents. <laughs> but like... <laughs> Yeah, normal childhood, you wouldn't necessarily connect the dots if you're young enough. So, right. Well, with me, I come from an Italian family, mm. so I already knew exactly what that was. <laughs> <laughs> all right, the Italian family says it all, huh? 
Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have that kind of parents, but in Quebec, we're strong on our beer, so I I, I knew some people. <laughs> <laughs> but the name the name of the main character of the mouse is named Basil. Hmm. And basically, he ends up doing this mystery. He's on a case of a career when London Mass toy maker is kidnapped. He ends up pitting his uh, wits, putting his wits in to his old adversary, Professor mm. Raddington, who wants to become a supreme ruler of Milestone. Mm. And Professor Raddington and everything, you can definitely tell there's a history between the two of them because of how they both can't stand each other and about how he's always close, especially when Basil's always close enough to actually grab him and everything, he always winds up finding a way to get away. Mm. So I love that whole entire, no pun intended, but cat and mouse game kind of thing mm. or mouse and mouse game whatever you want to prefer but it's actually a pretty good fun animation style movie there's no moral to it or anything like that it's just one of those good fun movies that you can watch all right well um it's, it's not scary for for a young child either well i would say the toys now i would have to say this the part that might actually scare some of the kids might actually be the part where they're in the toy store trying to figure out what happened to this toy maker. Because don't forget, you're basically seeing things through the eyes and the lenses of a mouse. Okay. So okay. therefore, everything's going to be bigger. So therefore, if you see like a duck with big eyes, like a rubber ducky kind of thing, for example, that might actually scare a kid. Okay, because I was wondering like how if I was going to... Uh show this to my daughter which is not even born yet uh at what age would you recommend this movie i would i would say that she could probably see that around maybe i would say maybe six maybe seven okay all right sounds good all, all right. right uh so i'm guessing my number seven yeah so it's beauty and the beast oh i was gonna put that down but there was just something that took its place instead all right uh, not, which I, there's so many good animations out there for so many tastes, you know. But for right. me, Beauty and the Beast uh, is something that I've, I think, worn out two VHS tapes when I had <laughs> asthma attacks. I would watch Beauty and the Beast at least once uh, during like the three, four, um, three, four movies I would watch if I would have a bad attack. Uh, for me, it's been with me for a long time. And there's something so beautiful. There's something for guys, and there's something for girls as well. Mm-hmm. It's yes, it's a princess movie, but something about that beast when I was young. I love that beast. He is so well animated. He has such an interesting arc. And Gaston, oh man, <laughs> I I love Gaston. Uh, I Gaston love, was great. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the music stands out. It's probably personally one of the best um, catalog of songs in. Uh, in all Disney, uh, beating out Aladdin, beating out certain certain classics for me, Beauty and the Beast is top. I agree with that, especially that ballroom dancing part. If you remember that, yeah, and that was actually the first time we actually get to see kind of like a camera pan angle into the ballroom, and it's actually going around in a circle following mm. the characters. And we haven't seen that kind of style of animation before, especially in the '90s like that. And I thought mm. that was actually pretty cool. And I love Gaston. I love animation song for Gaston. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Can you hear me? 
Um, sorry, like again, people still text me when okay. I work <laughs> when I don't no, work. It's okay. It's uh, it's okay. I'm just making sure the feed didn't get cut or anything because I've been going through some technical problems here and there. Uh, and okay. um, and sorry, like I said, like uh, I just making sure that the call center is not in flames right now, so everything's good. Oh. <laughs> right. Okay, it's cool, man. Uh, it's going, it's fine. So, but yeah, and for me, one of the standout moments is um, the kitchen table, like when she first discovered, like be our guest. For me, be our guest is <laughs> such a fun, such a lovable, and I'm never gonna get tired of that song. Uh, for me, uh, I get. I love something until I don't. And that seems to stick with me even after 30 years after watching it. I agree. And I love Be Our Guest. I remember actually trying to do a French accent once, trying to do the candlestick Hmm. and everything. I I just can't do it. So, so, yeah, I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to (laughs) try. But but I just thought that it was – I just love that song. And it just sticks in your head. It really, and and that's the, the the cool thing about this movie is almost all the songs stick in your head, which you know, no other Disney movie does that to me. Like there's a couple songs that stand out, it's fun, but certain songs like okay, move on. This one, there's not one song or one uh, you know musical bit that I you know I fast forward through now. I, I find that same thing too, especially the opening scene with Bella with Bonjour. Mm. How's your day? When everybody's saying bonjour to each other, I love that. Uh, the and, the Gaston yeah. song when in the bar too is really good. Right. I would do anything for Gaston. Yeah. <laughs> and I love. All how, right, so you know, yep. Oh. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. On. Okay, so I loved how he how Gaston is this big, powerful guy, muscular guy. He's totally into himself. And everything, and everybody knows that he's full of himself and everything, but he doesn't—he doesn't realize it, you know, because he's so into his own mm. self that he doesn't care. But yeah, I also like the. But at the arc. same time, but at the same time, he was kind of doing the right thing because, in reality, if there's a beast, you know, um, say, uh, ca- capturing uh, a, a woman at first, she didn't want not want to be there. She was his prisoner. True. So at the same time, he was doing the right thing, just not with the right intentions. You know, no. he just wanted a conquest, but isn't his actions were justified? That's true. That's true. I didn't think of it like that, though, man. Think that's actually a good point. Because if I saw a girl <laughs> that was actually in distress and locked up in a castle with a beast, the first thing I want to do, I want to go on ahead and, you know, make sure she's okay and everything. But his intentions were like. I'm going to rescue her. Then she's going to fall for me. Hmm. I'm Gaston. <laughs> but uh, I also like the character arc of the beast. The character arc of the beast is fantastic, like you said. It's just perfectly well-balanced and perfectly beautiful. But, hmm. uh, was right. there what about yours? To that? Okay. No, that, that was the like, last time I was about to say something. I was about to propose to go yours. So. Okay. So, my number seven is going to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I got it on my list, but I won't tell you where. Okay. So the reason why I got this on my list is because of the fact I was like, well, you need to go on ahead and make a live action Spider-Man movie with Miles Morales. 
and my thought my thoughts has always been this nobody knows who miles morales is right mm-hmm. nobody but us because we're in that community where we actually know who Miles morales is but to an average moviegoer to an average person who doesn't know who Miles morales is or anything like that they're not going to know that who he is because we're, they all know peter parker and that's what's going to sell them in a movie mm-hmm. so I'm glad they actually put Miles Morales into the spotlight by doing an animation style Spider-Man movie. And I thought the animation was just, was wonderful. Mm. And the plot was so good where you have this thing where Miles is uh, going into a new school and his dad's a Mm. cop and the cop does not like, his dad don't even like Spider-Man at all. He finds him as a menace. And then all of a sudden, his, um, Miles winds up killing Spider-Man to the point where he actually has to become Spider-Man and he doesn't know how to become Spider-Man. And then he winds up getting all these other Spider-Mans into his universe. Mm. Yeah. I'll, on my end, I'll reserve my thoughts for when I get, get it to it because it's actually pretty high up in my list. But uh, yeah, if, if I don't go into subjects I want to talk about uh, when I get to mine, uh, it just, yeah. it's the perfect cartoon superhero movie. Uh, is it is something that um, visually is very unique but not distracting, and mm-hmm. the story holds up. Now that's all I'm gonna say for my opinions until I get to it. Okay, you know what? I might actually reserve a little bit more of my thoughts on this for when you get ready to talk about it as well. All right, sounds good. Because so- I want. Yeah, yeah, because I want us to both go back and forth on this. All right, so, so we definitely will. Uh, now, that being said, uh, my number six is Inside Out. That is a good. That's a good choice. For me, Inside Out um, actually depicted uh, a cartoon I had in my head since I'm like 15. I've always imagined <laughs> employees in my brain making decisions. Uh, and to this day, I still have inside jokes. My girlfriend, I built this world, a world now, my girlfriend. I have like these in my brain, these NASA people working in little, <laughs> in little like cubicles <laughs> and making decisions for me. And like, um, there, there's moments of like incompetence. And then I, I made up a story about Gary. Gary makes all the stupid decisions in my brain, right? <laughs> so I had this imagination and this joke that actually I saw kind of like, put on screen and for me it's throughout the whole time i was laughing i was feeling and the parts that you would see the other uh, like the other people's uh like crew and fitting their personality for me works so well especially the young kid like with the warning signs he's about to kiss someone for me made me laugh so loud and out loud I agree with you, man. That that is perfectly well. That that is awesome. <laughs> and I could just see you going, Well, that wasn't me. That was Gary that said that. Oh yeah, for sure. Like <laughs> it, even the baby right now in, in our joke as, as a couple, she has like employees they have you have to train. So they're all like kid employees. And right now, like two weeks ago, they were doing uh, poopy work. So they're trying to show them where to put the poop for it to go to stomach. And some of them just kept like rolling in it, throwing on the wall. So it's, uh, I, I won't envy the people training the baby employees right now. <laughs> that is great. I would like to actually see that though. Like uh, an animation style of a, ba- of a baby for nine months and have like the employees. Bro, s- send me a writer. I'll give a bunch of ideas. I can't write to save my life a story, but 
I can inspire someone, that's for sure. That is, <laughs> I can't stop laughing about that. Uh, but, but yeah, I definitely have to agree with you. Like, sometimes I wonder too, is like, okay, is there like a somebody in my head that's going to hit the red button where it's like red alert? <laughs> uh, or, or something in the back of your head where it's like, this is your conscience. You don't need to say that that person's a moron. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the other side of me. You need to say that this person's a moron. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, so, the, There's so many ways you can go with it. Like, that's the thing. Right. It, 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 you can fit your brain with it. Like, between me and my girlfriend, we added another joke. There. She, she has an embassy in my body. So there's a couple of times that my coworker, the, the, the workers have to work with her, her workers because they're there as embassy. So when those situations, mm-hmm. I'm about to say something like, no, you're supposed to be nice and compliment her. <laughs> <laughs> and if I don't say the right thing, like, they get hit by the, by the employees. There's even guards from time to time and quality control. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but at the same time, I have mine in her brain and... They're showing her. They're showing her employees slowly Star Wars and Batman. Sometimes they leave <laughs> comics on the ground, you know. And they're like, at first they're annoyed, but now sometimes she'll tell me like facts about Batman, and I know in my head it's like, yep, they're leaving the comics to the right spot. <laughs> right, and then it's like I can just see her part of the brain where it goes. There's Batman. And goes, I'm Batman. <laughs> no, I do not want to pay attention to you. <laughs> and then it's like, no, I'm Batman. I don't care. I want to read this. No, you want a comment here. Uh, but apparently, we're talking about my my inside of my brain and not right. the movies. But if we go back to the right. movie, we're we're sidetracking here. But this is okay. And and this is why I love Inside Out. It, this is how much I relate to it. If we, we, you have only known this concept, but you understand it, we can talk. Imagine living with it for the last twenty years in my brain. I have a whole cartoon show in my brain, right? And to see it's like on screen and do things a bit differently than uh, what I imagined too, bring a new angle to the uh, to the the concept I've always had, but have it so unique at the same time. And one of my favorite characters is actually not the emotions. But I forgot his name. Is the elephant creature, the 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 the, oh. the imaginary friend. Okay, I know who you're talking about. I just can't place his name. Uh, it's a weird name. But, it's it's a you know child uh, given name when they were like four, um, but something about that character I feel for him. He's, he's such a good character. He's so he, he brought back memories of of like just like I don't know how to say it. It's just something so relatable, and you just want to hug it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> But yeah, man, Inside Out is such a great film, man. I I I enjoy it. Every single time it comes on TV, I just have to sit down and watch it. Mm. All right. So, what's your uh, number uh, number six, sir? It'll be Toy Story. All right. Not on my list, surprisingly, but uh, yeah, I can definitely understand why. I love this film. It's actually, I want to say, this is the first animation of the toy of Pixar was Toy Story, mm-hmm. and. It was the first time that we were actually introduced into this kind of CGI kind of animation style opposed to the pencil and the and the pen and paper thing kind of mm. style that we've been getting. And I love the fact that they gave us 
Andy, someone that we can actually relate to, mm-hmm. and about how he's attached to a certain toy, and then once he becomes attached to the, a new toy, that other toy actually feels like he he's been abandoned. Mm. I also like the fact, even this, I remember as a kid, I'm like, what does my toys do when I'm not there? Mm. Do they still stay on the floor, or do they have their own arguments? What happens? So I love the fact that they actually use that kind of imagination and everything too because Mm. it gives you that whole entire thing what goes beyond behind closed doors whenever i'm not there yeah and uh, i i've read a really good reddit uh one time about like how they're the you've the live in a different dimension where you know we could we really never see them move but they're in their own pocket dimension it's completely out there but i like uh, i like uh, quantum theory and stuff so for me it fascinated me but story stories always been a good ensemble movie as well not just the first animated but every character is so lovable um they're so unique and the you a kid had at least one of those toys, right? Something they can right. relate to. It wasn't just focused on one character and that's it. Because it could have been so easy just to focus on Buzz Lightyear, you know, and Woody and right. that's all. And not really give a crap about the other the, the other toys are afterthought. But in this right. movie, everyone is likable and everyone can, you, you can find a favorite else in Woody and, uh, and Buzz. Exactly. Like everybody grew up with a Mr. Potato Head. Yeah. Everyone... Everyone grew up with army men because I remember having a bunch of army plastic army men. Me was the monkeys. Oh, I had that too. <laughs> I I had that toy too. I spent so many times that in the the sticks. You remember the sticks? Oh, I remember the sticks. <laughs> Again, it's, it's it's funny how like it doesn't take much to to, to please a five year old. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Just give us some sticks, give us some monkeys, we're good to go. <laughs> but then again, maybe might be different to this generation. I can't wait to see what uh, sticks to her at uh, because I swear to God, if she she's addicted to YouTube at four, I'm screwed. <laughs> right? It's like uh, it's like here, here's some plastic monkeys that you can hook together, and here's some sticks. <laughs> I can see her looking like the menu, like what? <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> Yeah, I can see him going up to your wife and her, her go, "Mommy, Daddy gave me some sticks. What do yeah. I do with these? I am and, confused." But also, if you reverse it, I start playing that now. At my age, my girlfriend's gonna come back with the medication for me, you know. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's it, it. True, you need the 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 imagination of a five year old if you really gonna hey and if someone is listening to this and they still play with sticks and they're 50 not judging but it's not a norm right um right all right so that being said uh if you don't mind we're gonna go to my number five okay all right um unless you had more things to talk about toy story uh no 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 go to your number five i'm i'm good all right uh it is number five space jam oh you're talking. You're you're getting all my childhood. You're hitting on every single thing. Yeah, <laughs> Space Jam. The music is iconic. The the soundtrack is iconic. Mm-hmm. The Michael Jordan at his height. Uh, the Looney Tunes at his best. Personally, uh, mm-hmm. I love Bugs Bunny and everything, but. Um, it didn't age as well. I rewatched it recently. It really didn't age as well, but 
I couldn't hide the fact that I was so obsessed with that movie when I was young that I had to put it pretty high up, like in mid for me, even though it's not my favorite right now. I'm ranking this, this list on globally, not just now, but when I was a kid, how much I loved it. Right. The aliens are perfect. Uh, the utilization of the new character, uh, the, the female uh, bunny, is kind of sexualized if you kind of rethink it. They, they went for sexy, you know, <laughs> and exactly, <laughs> and, and it, it, it it's not a serious animation, but when you're a kid or when you just want to have some fun, it is the goofiest, the most you know, on weed is the perfect movie. Like it, it's so ridiculous that you're high and it's perfect. <laughs> uh, and again, the soundtrack again, pretty risque. I don't know if you know, you ever listened uh, to the soundtrack? Mm-hmm. I used to own it when I was young. I did too. I actually owned the soundtrack. In one of the songs, I think it's the, the, the actual intro song, they actually say, slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yes. It, <laughs> and it, it has that thing like score. You know what I mean? Like, as in not as in basketball score, but as in scoring with the chick kind Ex- of score. Exactly. And it's, so as I remember my mom like found that and she was, she was raised, I was raised uh, as a Jehovah's Witness, okay? Um, so for her, she's very conservative. And when she heard that, she threw out my CD. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what else was a sexual thing too was Basketball Jones by Chris Rock. Because he was in that one too. He was, uh, it's about this boy who loves his basketball. All right. Hello? Yeah, it's okay. But do you remember Basketball Jones? Yeah, yeah, I just muted because I was coughing. It's okay. But yeah. Basketball Jones was one of those stories about a kid who and everything, you know? And and it was go, went into a lot deeper about how he has this basketball and how he's going to be the big leagues and how he's going to mm. have chicks and everything too, mm. you know? Hmm. But I'm also going to go on ahead and say this too. I actually owned a Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls jersey as a kid. Mm. I actually owned the I also I actually owned the Space Jam number twenty three Michael Jordan jersey nice. that I got from Walmart. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I actually grew up with that era and you know, I remember my friends and I just geeking out over it because of the fact it's Michael Jordan. And then we also have Del Murray in this. Mm. And as well. who else was cameoed? And there's, there's a couple of um, a couple of stars that cameoed, but I forgot who. Uh, Newman from Seinfeld was in mm. it. I forgot the actor's actual name, but I just call him Newman because that's what he's known yeah, for. Yeah, or, or the guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's my favorite part in that fair. whole entire thing. <laughs> but yeah, um. You know, I love the cameos. I love the cameo appearances, especially with the basketball players and about how all these basketball players' talent is just now all of a sudden gone because of the aliens. Mm. You know? Yeah, it's... um, Can I say this? The story's not good, though. No. It's cheesy. It's very cheesy. It's very cheesy. And that's why I'm surprised <laughs> it ranks so high, but I think the the character work because again suck out the talent now they suck is 
you know, kind of written from an idea of a five-year-old. <laughs> because that's all <laughs> right. it is. It's just competition to try to regain the, the talent. So it's very basic. But their characters, their, their the jokes in it, and the, the, the little moments in this movie, uh, the uh, Martian, uh, the Martian man, I forgot his name. The one with the, uh, the broom on I, his head. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about too, and I forgot. I forgot what his name is. It's been so long since I've seen Space Jam. But I was, he, he had a couple mo- moments that stood out. The aliens was a couple funny moments. The boss that always sticks out in my uh, in my head. So yeah, I absolutely love this movie. And at the same time, it, it was at the height again. Like it was like what year was this movie? 1996. 96. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. And if not mistaken, I think it's on the same week that um, Romeo and Juliet uh, came out. And I remember this because when I was young, uh, we actually went to see the cinema. And we went to the ticket where it said it's supposed to be. And going to, uh, to, to the movie, we started, uh, started like, watching trailers and then movie started. But it was Romeo and Juliet. With uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, right? And my mom, I remember that. And my mom, like, just like, kind of freaked out because it was I was really not uh, old enough to watch that movie. which just went out, and I missed like the first twenty <laughs> minutes of um, of uh, Space Jam. <laughs> That's funny though, because I I like Romeo and Juliet though. I love that modernized style of the guns and everything, but um. You know, another thing I want to mention, too, is remember that song, I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly? Yeah. That was on the soundtrack? I actually did a skit for that Mm. and everything of the kid running through the open door and everything and how he just wants to soar and everything. I actually did, like, a whole entire skit of that. Nice. That I made up myself. Like, videotaped or just, like, when you were young? Uh, matter of fact, it's not videotaped or anything, but my mom's like, I wish I would have video recorded that mm. because that would have been something that I could send in for some for auditions or something. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> if you got a passion, why not? But yeah, right. But it's just me using my imagination of what I have. It's totally improv on everything I did. It hey, doesn't mean that. The, so, yeah, like your mom didn't have the tendency to, to tape stuff. Well, not at that time because it was like a spare of the moment type deal. Mm. So she didn't uh, get around to doing it, it, which I wish she did. Especially back in the day, you would have to take out the camcorder. Now you just have to pick up a phone and that's it. So, yeah, if it's spare of the moment, unless you have your camera on you at any time because you could do anything and you want to tape it, it's, it is a bit harder. Exactly. Because if you remember the camcorders, they were big and bulky. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like. <laughs> So it wasn't like something small. It was like, okay, let me get this big case out. <laughs> there's, there's the camcorder. Hold on, I gotta put the tape in. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So uh, that being said, um, and there's some more you want to talk with Space Jam. What's your number five? Okay, so my number five is gonna be the Land Before Time. Yes. yes. How did I miss <laughs> my freaking radar? They we God yes. Yep, I completely oh. agree. <laughs> and what I loved about this film was because I always had a favorite dinosaur, which is the T Rex. Mm. I always played with dinosaurs as a kid. 
and everything because I had those. Di- you remember the rubber dinosaurs that we we used to have yeah. or plastic dinosaurs? I was obsessed. I with used dinosaurs. to have a. Co- Same here, and my mom's like, "I got you a dinosaur movie." I mean, I went full. I went full throttle with that living room. I popped that in. I was watching it. I love that movie. Oh yeah, it's um. Uh, what is the name of the character? The Triceratops. No, no, not the Triceratops. The the small one. Oh, I know who you're talking the about. The really, really small one. I loved that character when I was young. Ducky? Yes, Ducky. Ducky. Yeah, with the lisp, right? Yes. Yeah, Ducky was my favorite. She was adorable. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's such a sad... Again, like, it goes around a Bambi or, like... Why do kid things or, or things aimed for younger has to start with someone dying in their family, you know? It, it's such a... And it's right in the, in the beginning, right? So it's... You start off with a bang. And as a kid, it, it's emotional. It's Especially if you live through things. You, lo- you lost someone re- recently and you don't know this is what it's about. Uh, and you watch this, it, it hits your chords. It definitely does. I mean, it pulls on your heartstrings. You have laughing, and then you also have a part where you're actually crying. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's an emotional roller coaster whenever you're watching this at a young age. Mm-hmm. And then you're also wondering if they're ever going to make it to the Greenland or if they're going to be wiped off. Yeah, because especially if you have the innocence of a child, obviously they're going to go to Greenland. It's a children's movie. You know, they're not all going to die at right. the end. But as a kid, you, can, right. you don't know the constructs of movie and the expectations. So I remember right. when I was young also be like what's gonna happen are they gonna make it are they gonna make it and it's they they really did create this anticipation uh throughout this movie that as a kid was kind of a suspense at one point and definitely at at a young age that was our suspense that was our wondering our anxiety of not knowing if these dinosaurs are gonna make it or not and then i also remember one time too like i think it was my first time watching it my mom's like, okay, we got to go to your grandmother's house. No, I have to find <laughs> out what's happening to Ducky, if she's going to wind up living or not. <laughs> and she goes, we can bring the movie with you. We can? Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, when, so, when movies are part of your life, uh, it's uh, especially ch- children movies, just... <laughs> The things I'm I'm gonna have to expect with uh, with my kid because I I'm close I'm close with uh, my I, I don't know how to say this in English my godchildren, um, yeah. and I remember like every time I would visit, they would watch always the same movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I was always a sucker for Jaws. I would always go over to my cousin. Um, my cousin's house and go and get the copy of Jaws to the point where she's like, you know what? You can have Jaws. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And you want to hear a funny story? Um, I actually went to Orlando when they had the Jaws ride. I was shit, man. Six, not even. I cried the whole time. (laughs) I was scared. I did not know what Jaws was. My dad had this brilliant idea. Hey, bring my kid to start on a water thing. Didn't realize there's supposed oh, to be no. a freaking shark. So I was terrorized the living shit out of me, man. Well, get this. Uh, I went on the Jaws ride in Orlando when they had it as well at the age of nine or ten. And my grandfather decided to punish my brother and I 
because we were misbehaving the night before. He goes, okay, you little assholes. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna I he goes, I'm gonna get you guys back. We're like, okay. <laughs> so they, he puts on the us on the ride. I hear him whispering. And so happens to be he put us on the side where the shark popped up. Wow. And the boat is tipping over a little bit. We're sliding, trying to <laughs> not go in the shark's mouth or anything. We were panicking. Oh, and wow. but and then finally when the boat goes back up upside my my grandfather go, he's a big polish guy and he's like so are you fucktards gonna go on ahead and listen to me now and you're like yeah we'll listen to you papa we will because we're italian so we call him papa so yeah we'll listen to you oh yeah it's, like how do you become that mean in life like you're, they're not listening to me all right your fear of god always works <laughs> we're just gonna do this the Italian style. We're gonna feed you to the sharks. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but that being said, I'm gonna go to my number four. Okay. All right. I'm not even sure if you, you might know. If you know music, you know this movie. My number four is Pink Floyd: The Wall. I haven't seen this one. Oh. Okay. One word to describe this movie: Journey. It's a journey. It's a visual story art, a blend of uh, live action and um, poetic cartoons that really plays with the music. It's almost a musical at the same time, but with animation. And in the weird world of the main singer of Pink Floyd, it is so odd, so political, so emotional and it shows at the same time that their music is not just music it's something that you can really put art into it uh and right there's some really odd moments i seen it in music class for the first time um my my music teacher was such a unique and odd uh character and i actually met him uh after uh, he he became sadly lost his job he became uh, a husher at uh, um, the Montreal Canadiens uh, Bell Center. So it, it was sad to, for me to see that because he was such a brilliant mu- music teacher and he showed me this movie and it blew my mind. Something about seeing World War II a lot inspired um, storylines <coughs> and dictatorship and uh, emotions of, of not escaping you know, your surroundings and, and you're doomed to a certain faith uh, that really resonated. And I watched it recently as well. And is it's a piece of art. It's a, how can I say this, underrated and cult classic that is really, really yearning for this generation to, to, to watch because there's a lot of things you can relate to today's age. There's a lot of things you can get inspired by and see yourself in today that is illustrated in the 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah. You see, I actually own the Wall uh, double disc album by Pink Floyd, mm. which I love. So at least I have the music. <laughs> but... With, I have a quick question. Wouldn't this be like the setting for the Berlin Wall kind of thing, though, too? Yes, but you can understand there's a lot of references to Nazism as well. Mm, that's 
it's yes it's relating to, to again it's the doom to your destiny it's it's not just there's no storyline per se there is a story but it's not explained into like dialogues that well it, it's left a lot of imagination so it's really a podgemodge of a lot of historical events a lot of you know stories um you know that you saw often because it became a pattern right but put it in a form that you can't pinpoint the one precise historical event, but you know they're inspired by. Okay. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. I'm sure that I could probably find it on YouTube or something. Oh, yeah. And if not, at least watch the YouTube clips to give you an idea of what it is. The The animation okay. is very different, too. It's very... If you know Monty Python, it's very, very British in that style. Okay. Right. I'll definitely give that a shot because, like I said, history, those elements of the political and stuff like that, I have to see it. Mm. What's your number four? American Teal. I, I remember seeing one as young, but I never revisited. I remember seeing it as well as a kid. And a matter of fact, I'm, get this, on DirecTV, they actually had the second movie of uh, Five Hole Goes West. Okay. But... It wasn't Five Five Goes West wasn't as relatable as the first film, mm. which is actually hard to do whenever you're looking at the first film. When you do a second film, it's hard to actually get those characters back to where they were from the first film, mm. where they got, can actually relate to. But what I loved about the film was you have this Italian immigrant mouse family trying to experience America for the first time, trying to go to America, while Fifeful is actually trying to get to his family again. Okay, can I, and he's lost. Can I put a pause for two seconds? Just a comment. You like mice, don't you? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Tui's in, in the top three. You really like mice. <laughs> I guess I do in a sense. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so continue on. I don't know if it's the colors. I don't know. It might be the Italian thing. I don't... <laughs> were your friends mice, sir, when you were young? <laughs> No, um, get this. I never even had a hamster when I was little, wow, okay. so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what my attachment is with that. But right. you know, so continue on. <laughs> sorry. Just, so no, nah, it's okay. But no, I totally like this film because of those elements that I explained. Not only that, but then there's also the song that's in the movie too, somewhere out there. Hmm. Uh, I love that song and the and and actually it's another one of those things where it plays with your anxiety as well because you're not sure if Fifel's gonna be able to find his family or anything mm-hmm. because you're devastated at the fact okay is he he lost his family he doesn't know where he's at he's in this strange world by himself and he has to try to find a way to actually fit in and actually have friends <clears throat> that will actually help him along the way so I actually like that film for what it is for that yeah it's. I would have to really revisit it because I just I think I'm remembering Five Goes West more than the other one uh, because I keep imagining that like there's mines and, and railroads, but in that case right. I, I really can't pull out images of this one. I I you know what it might be someone something I I can show my daughter as well. There's one thing I want to make a list of things the things I haven't watched in a long time but watch as a kid. I would love to watch with her as well. All right, so. What do you have on your list for... Number three. For your number three. Uh, it is <clears throat> number three, The Nightmare Before Christmas. 
Oh, I love it. It obviously not directed by Tim Burton, but came from the mind of Tim Burton. And Tim Burton, I discovered after I discovered this movie pretty late as well, around eighteen. I didn't I didn't watch it when I was uh, young. <clears throat> But the darkness, the macabre, but the innocence of the movie makes it stand out so well. And there's something about um, the concept of Halloween and Christmas, of all the the, the holidays having their own pocket world uh, that they come mm-hmm. from and they have to visit the world itself to, to, to celebrate their day is such a cool concept. Um, the his living his you know his surroundings the city the mayor everything is so unique and so weird but not too scary either you know so yeah. it's just right. it's it's a beautiful tale and the story is simple but relatable um, the female character is such a a, a delicate but well thought out character as well so it, overall such a beautiful movie. I agree. I agree 110% on that. And I love the soundtrack. I, I like Danny Elfman doing the music because he just brings that live liveliness into the film as well. Mm, oh, yeah. To explain the characters. And Jack Skeleton is one of those people, characters that you can actually relate to because he's been doing Halloween all this time. Mm. It's like, okay, I get to come back once a year again, do this all over again, do the same thing over again. It's kind of like that Nine Inch Nails song where it's like, I believe I can see the future, mm. but I, because I do the same thing every day. And that's what I feel like with Jack Skeleton. he's like, okay, I'm getting tired of the same old schnick. I want to do something else. Mm. So he finds other doors to go ahead and go into Christmas. And I love Kidnap the Sandy Claus. That's actually my favorite uh, part of the favorite song out of that uh, out of that whole entire movie was that part but you know what else I remember I remember Burger King actually having the nightmare before Christmas watches and I remember actually getting one mm. and I also wanted a Jack Skeleton action figure as well as a kid <laughs> okay so you was really your youth you didn't discover it late I discovered it maybe around eight or nine yeah, and I I remember always seeing the trailer though because it was there. I think I was it Batman Returns or yeah, Batman Returns. It, it was in the trailers when you put the VHS um, for for those young listeners out there. Uh, if you <laughs> wanted to skip the trailers, you had to fast forward the tape and hope your tape doesn't get destroyed. Um, <laughs> and I remember always being. <clears throat> It being uh, one of the trailers, and I know my mom was fast forward because for her it was like, no, no, this is you know too dark. I don't like this. But when I watch it alone, I would sometimes uh, go back and watch that trailer again because it's, it fascinated me. And after a while, I just forgot it. And when I met one of my close friends, he was obsessed with a movie, and he made me watch it because I, I forgot this movie. And then it's like this movie. I'm like, oh, the trailer movie, sweet. <laughs> and I, I freaking love that movie. That movie is just beautiful. Have you ever uh, listened to the Revisited soundtrack? Uh, yeah, Marilyn Manson does a um, does a cover. I is it my chemical? This is Halloween. Yeah, my yeah. my chemical romance does one too. I think All American Rejects does it. Uh, Evanescence. Amy uh, Lee does it. 
And then you also have Corn, uh, which is actually my favorite uh, new old band is Corn. Okay. They actually they actually did the cover the song for Kidnap the Sandy Claws. Nice. So I actually own that soundtrack. <laughs> and that's crazy. Like it's, it's it's a metal soundtrack, a rock soundtrack that's a bit darker, but it, you see, it, it speaks to its its quality to to resonate with not necessarily kids at that time when it came out, but there's something dark and, and mysterious. If you're not a kid, if you're just a normal view uh, movie goer, you might still be interested in seeing this movie because it's so twisted and unique on its own. Definitely. All right, so, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to go into my... N- oh, no, it's your number three. Yeah, it's my number three. Uh, I'm going to go on with Aladdin. Again, it should have been on my list. I actually didn't make it for reasons unknown, but yes. <laughs> I love Aladdin because of the fact that, you, number one, you have Robin Williams, who plays the most iconic genie and everything in any movie that you ever seen. And... You have the Cave of Wonders that I liked in this movie, mm-hmm. too. And you have this uh, underdog who is wanting it all, who wants to be with the princess, and he doesn't have anything. And I love how you go, his story arc, where you go from nothing, from a zero, and then all of a sudden you go into like a, being a hero. Mm. But also find, then you wind up, but he also winds up where he started from because of the fact he forgot where he came from as well. Mm-hmm. Because you have that kind of thing going for it. Did you see that kind of thing where he forgets exactly who he is and who his friends are? No, I didn't really get, like, but what do you mean? Like, explain, because I'm not quite following. In other words, is when you see firstly Aladdin, Mm -hmm. he wants to be with Jasmine. He falls in love with Jasmine. And, of course, he doesn't have anything. He comes from nothing. Mm -hmm. He's like the underdog. Mm -hmm. And then Genie comes in. He grants him the wishes. And he becomes Prince, Ab- Prince Abu. Mm-hmm. But as Prince Abu, he kind of turns his back on the genie, which is the person who was there for him from the get-go besides yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get, Abu. I get what you mean. Yeah, Prince Abu. yeah, because it's. I think I've always seen that as a metaphor to money changes you, right? You're, you are right. satisfied. So it's so easy to, to not live in a moment and like look at where you come from and saying, like, I, I'm good, but, you know my surroundings is poor the person who you know brought me to the situation is still in a bad situation right uh it's right it's still slaved and and has to do it's it's you know destiny is duty but i'm living good so yeah it, it really shows that the message one of the messages is money corrupts exactly or power and, corrupts exactly and i love uh, Jafar as a villain mm-hmm. because he has that menacing thing. And that's actually our first time that we actually see from a Disney character where he actually has layers to him, where he's pretending to be the concierge to this, uh, to the, to the king. But really he's, un- but really Jafar is just in it for himself to in it, to win it for himself to where he can be on the, on the throne mm. and make, this uh make this king make all the mistakes to where he can get the throne and get Jasmine. Um, difficult question. For, and I don't know. It's on my end, difficult question. I want to ask you if you can only keep one of these characters: Abu, the carpet, or parrot. I'm gonna have to go with the carpet. Yeah, same here, man. Something about that carpet <laughs> is so sweet. And I 
I fell in love. Like, I'm still in love with the carpet. And I'm so happy in Doctor Strange, you got inspired by that carpet. Like, it, it lives mm-hmm. on, you know? Um, exactly. The, the, it, for me, it's proof that Aladdin is in the universe of Doctor Strange. That type of carpet exists no matter what time you're in. <laughs> exactly. That carpet is a character, just like the cape of Doctor Strange is a character mm-hmm. and everything. I really love and it. And leave it to Disney to make an inanimate object its own character and make it believable and lovable. You're 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 saying, Oh, it's so cute. It's a freaking carpet. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so what do you so what do you have ooh. for your number two? All right. This I had to pull. I had to meditate on childhood to find this one, but when it hit, it hit. My number two is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Dude, I was actually gonna put that down. <laughs> I was really gonna put that one down, but there was just something else that made me choose a different route. But I'm glad you put that down. Oh, uh, for me, the Joker makes I Phantasm, yes, but I was aware of Joker after this movie. Uh, yes, the animated uh, character, uh, the animated shows presented him, but there's times it's a bit goofy. This one it encapsulates much more what the Joker is conceptually in the comics without making it too adult. Uh, and the whole, like, Kevin Conroy is perfect. Uh, even Phantasm for a created character, which I'm disappointed we didn't ever reuse somehow, somewhere in the universe, right? Because the Phantasm has some interesting concept to it. And I would love to see as a left turn one day seen in live action. Okay. Yeah, that's true though, man. Uh, because here's the thing: I would like to actually see see him used in more stuff because he was just such a great villain, you know. Well, she, she actually, she, she, yeah, yeah, she was just such a great villain to the point where I was like, okay, I want to see more of her. I want to see her in a live action adaptation. I want to see what they can do with that. or just in comics in other. Right, that too. I was just getting to that too because I'd like to actually see her on more comics mm-hmm. and everything about how they actually interact with that. But it's like okay, just one and done type of thing, and that's it. it, it is it maybe be, is it, it's a copyright issue? Warner Bros. owns the character, but that but Warner Bros. does own DC, so right. So I think it might be the fact that they don't know exactly maybe where to put her per se on how to actually introduce her character. But why not just introduce her in the movie and then just put her in a comic because you already got the background. Why not just do that, do it that way. And then just do it in a series of flashbacks in her own comic. It, yeah. Especially like you, you keep reusing Catwoman, right? Uh, because it's a like, right. love interest. Shake it up. Do, uh, do right. phantasm. Uh, you can still have uh, a love, uh, a love uh, interest, but you bring something different um to the plate that it's not Catwoman. It's a whole different thing. And you can make it the, the character very powerful if you if you really you know dive deep and, and make a solid uh character make a Furiosa in in ma- in a mask of phantasm costume, you know, you have something there. Most definitely because there's just that mystery element of where you can actually go with her. Mm-hmm and everything and go on this journey with her and give her a, a good character arc as well yes. that you can actually expand on from phantasm 
because I believe that you can do a lot more with her. Oh yeah, for sure. She she she's a very blank canvas. She she's a concept. You know, Star once was interesting, but it's one of those characters you you can add a humane aspect or, or an angle that is so obvious, but you wouldn't really think of it if you don't really think of it. And it, it can make for for such an interesting alternative to Catwoman. Most definitely, I would love to see how Selena and her would actually interact with each other as well. Love triangle, man. Exactly, and maybe Poison Ivy for that matter too. You see, I never saw Poison Ivy as a love interest. I saw her as someone Batman respects, but is is fearful because she's very underratedly powerful. She's not goofy like in in uh, the fourth uh, film. You know, if you look into animated and and comics. She is powerful. That's true. She is a very powerful character, and she's also very sexual as well. Yes. Just like Selena. But yeah, I definitely would have to agree now just to focus on Selena and her rather than Poison Ivy because of those points that you made. Yeah, and and that it's simpler if you you just do like a love triangle. There's so much more, you know, a a love square is a bit harder to, (laughs) you know, (laughs) someone's by somewhere, you know. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, What's your number two, sir? Up. Yes. The movie Up. Yes. And I remember going with my sister and my brother-in-law to go see this movie. And it was a Sunday, I want to say, maybe during the week weekend. And, you know, we're like, let's go see a movie. So we went and saw Up. Hmm. And I love the opening scene where you have uh, this kid who falls in love with his next door neighbor. And next thing you know it, they have this plan to where they want to go on vacation. They have this one spot that they've been wanting to go to. They save up for it finances gets in the way and everything bills come up things come up and they can never go and then finally they're in their old they're getting old growing old together and at that point she winds up passing on and he's there by himself and that's all there is he doesn't have anybody Mm. and he never got to experience going out on that vacation spot with her like he wanted to Mm. and that pulled on my heartstrings it's like Life is too short to not do the things that you love doing. Yeah, it's. I remember also, like, like you mentioned, the, the beginning part is, you know, it shows that this movie is made also for 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 any audience because everyone again can relate. This is about death. It's it's a, such a sad and you know we can't avoid it, but not especially when you're younger. You don't always think about it, right? Uh, but again, it works because it's done in such a compassionate and relatable. When we're young, you know, I did lose my grandmother uh, when I was young, and it, you know, my granddad had to live by itself, and that's a hard thing, especially they've been together for like over eh, thirty years. You know, that's I've right. most people have a hard time having a three month relationship for Christ's sakes. Exactly. Because that that's heartache as well, and then uh, also too with me being in a four year relationship, and then the person leaving me, being engaged and everything, that was also hard. Mm. So dealing with someone that you grew up with, and then all of a sudden they're gone, it's like where do I go from here? Mm. You know? Yeah, it's it, it touches it touches well the loneliness, but the message as well that there's always 
you know, there's always someone you can connect with, no matter the that's age. True. And that's, you know, I'm not religious. Uh, I don't believe in the religion um, for Jehovah's Witnesses. But there's one thing it taught me very at a young age, and they made a point to to really inculc uh, into the young generation of Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses was respect your elders, but not just respect, get to know them. If they would see us always the same gang before, like, the meetings start talking, they would actually say, you know what, brother, uh, I don't know, Matsuno is, um, you know, he's sitting alone. Go talk to him. And I would, he would tell me stories in the 40s and 50s, and it would actually make me, you know, interested in history and certain things. So friendship is ageless. Exactly. And my grandmother was also the same way. She would tell me stories, too, of her past and things like that. Because don't forget, Italian families are close. So we're going to end up telling stories no matter what. Yeah, it is, you know, if if Nona's gonna pinch my cheeks, I'm gonna also know her <laughs> life, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's funny too because I, I'm not from Italian family. I'm um, my mom's side is Ukrainian, and it's the same mentality. Mm. It's European, you know. So you're right. you're too skinny, right. if, even though you have a belly. You're too skinny, and um, and. Uh, cheek pinching and you know always you know giving gifts even though the ones you don't want is to just take it louis you know it's your grandma it's gonna come no matter what you can't say no so it's it was a very similar mentality definitely and then you know there's also that other you're also gonna have a friend that's gonna be there for you to bear the burdens Mm -hmm. you know and carry those burdens with you and that's what that little kid was like for him and i would be remiss if we don't mention the dog with the speakerphone for me again you add a personality to something that usually don't have this in our personality give the dog a voice is so perfect in this movie Mm -hmm. most definitely and the like i said i love characters that are not secondary but they're first Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what that dog is yeah definitely Okay. All right. So, uh, listeners, if uh, you have been tracking uh, the record and what I said before, my number one, obviously, is Into the Spider Verse. All right. So let's talk about it. All right. Um, the story is perfect. It's so well done. Comic logic is perfect because it, the whole dimension thing, and it's done in a way that it's not cheesy, corny. Uh, it's the characters of the different Spider-Man, especially Spider-Pig. Oh my God, Spider-Pig, I love you. Um, (laughs) It's just perfect character building and these little additions they made, little Easter eggs of like Spider-Man 2099 at the end arriving into, you know, uh, the old 60s Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, it's it just it's you see it's a bunch of geeks making movie having fun and the creativity that must have been in the the brainstorming room must have been off the hook. Exactly. It's like okay, I want to put Miles in a position to where he doesn't understand his powers. So, we're going to end up acting like he's falling off the off the building hmm. and he's landing somewhere else that he shouldn't be landing off at. Or we're going to put him inside this one building where he's trying to hack into a computer. Mm. And that was actually my favorite part was when they're inside uh, where him and Peter are both inside this computer room. Yeah. 
and trying to get into the computer and they can't and then everything is sticking to miles <laughs> and and he also has camouflage too and he doesn't even know that he has camouflage yeah it's it, it represents like the awkward thing you know like peter parker that's why he stuck around because he he relates you know he he's not at that stage anymore. He's seen life. He he saved the world twenty billion times, and he's oppressed about it <laughs> uh, right. because no, nothing ever comes his way. But he sees the kid. He he definitely's been there, so it makes for such a good buddy cop chemistry. Like one has more experience, the other one has to follow, but the other one's like just he's down on his luck. They has such a great chemistry, but as well. I love the fact that they didn't. It was it would have been so easy for the creators to just focus on them, you know. But actually, adding the other characters and Aunt May being part of the crew, uh, it, it's not the typical, you know. I must ha- hide it from Aunt May. She knows, and she's, you know, she's um, uh, the Alfred of <laughs> of uh, Spider Man, the Marvel Universe. It makes so much, so much perfect sense. Exactly. I agree with you on that. I I agree with that. And also to the soundtrack, I Mm. actually have that song uh, by Post Malone on my song, on my, not on my song, on my phone. (laughs) And I love, because it gets me into a good mood whenever I'm driving Mm. to work and everything. And I matter of fact, that's my go-to song whenever I'm on my way to work. And that's Sunflower. Yeah, it, and it, it's a catchy tune. Not my, like, I got tired of it after a while, to be honest. But it's if it it's definitely the movie as well. Exactly, and it captures the happiness of Miles. Mm. And I, you know what else I like though was when his uncle tells him how to pick up chicks, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he goes, "Just just walk up with to her and go, hey." And he goes on and does it. He goes, hey. <laughs> Why? Because I remember trying to, you know, everybody has a high school crush. Everyone mm. has one of those moments where it's like, what do I say to a girl? How do I approach the girl? You don't do and what everything. I do, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> I was stupid. Like, I had no experience with humans. Yeah, I'm stuck in my own, like, religion circle. So, um, when I was young, I made the stupidest thing and I had a crush on two girls. So when I went to see one of the girls, instead of saying, I have a crush on you, I said, I have a crush on you and her. <laughs> so yeah, that, that, that's my first experience to try to communicate my attraction to someone. Well, with me, I acted like I was in a rock band, but I wasn't in a rock band. Hell I boy. had a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Uh... So I ordered like a leather jacket with the guitar. Did you play it properly? I didn't learn until I was like 13. Uh, you know, but, fake it till you fucking make it. Exactly. Or fake it like you know, think you can play it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was one of those moments. But yeah, this is again, and that's the uh, also distinguishes like uh, as worthy of the top 10, especially in our both our, uh, our lists. It's relatable. And exactly one thing that I love, and again, my girlfriend's not a big, big comic person. 
I showed her uh, this movie, and she reacted like she had no clue that Prowler was his uncle. And it's done in a way that it's so logical. There's a reason why you know his dad and his brother don't, don't get along. There's a reason why he he's able to bring him into underground spots uh, that are not accessible by a lot of people. He's a criminal, and that's what makes right. him cool, you know. And for him, it's a job. But when you put you know, family in there. You saw his 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 alliance shift a bit, and you you feel bad. It's it's such a cool and interesting spin on the traditional um, the traditional uh, origin stories of a Spider Man. Someone dies, right? But not the right uncle. Uh, so right. my girlfriend that that really impacted her, and she she really loved the movie. For me, it. It was a it's a win, right? Because usually after Definitely. a show uh, of super movies, like yeah, it's good. And two months after, I'm like, hey, do you remember that movie? She's like, which one was it again? <laughs> so <laughs> then you need to have Batman in her brain going, "It's the one with Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and even then, she she yeah, like which one was Spider-Man? Or like, there's right. I show her movies like. How many Spider-Mans is there? I was like, yeah, dude, here we go. All right, so there's uh, <laughs> this good franchise, the franchise that, you know, never existed, please, and then you got the franchise that is, you know, the franchise. Currently going. Hmm? Oh, I, I, was just, I was just agreeing with you. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it, it, it's a really good movie because if you know you're not into Spider-Man or comic books, Let's say you're you, that person got stuck to go with their cousin or their nephew because they really want to see a movie. You don't have to be into comics to really appreciate the smarts that uh, that the creators and writers uh, put into the movie. Definitely. All right. What's your number so, one? Well, <laughs> you're gonna laugh your butt off at me. All laugh right. Your your ass off at me. Um, it's another mouse movie. Ratatouille. <laughs> Nope. Okay. This movie came out. This movie came out in the 1980s. All right. It had Don DeLuise in this movie. Okay. And I know a way that you might actually know who Don DeLuise is. Okay. Do you remember seeing Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah, slightly. Again, not an impactful movie for me. Okay. Well, he was the Italian mobster guy that was acting like the Godfather. Okay. That's Don DeLuise. All right, no, doesn't ring a bell. Okay, so my number one is Secret of Nim. Yeah, I've seen that when I was doing the research. I've seen the past. It, it doesn't tell anything. I can't remember if I've seen it or not. It is not your typical happy-go-lucky story. Mm. It's actually a dark story. It's kind of like a horror animation type of story. And that's what I liked about it. And I guess I have—I guess I was really dark as a kid. I don't know, but but the name of the way that it actually has played out—it's about this guy named this this mouse named Mrs. Brisby, mm. and she's a widowed mouse, mm. and she must move her children out of their home into a field before the local farmer starts plowing, unable to leave because her son is ill. Mrs. Brisby seeks the help of a nearby of nearby rats who have heightened intelligence after being the subject of science. Okay. Uh, scientific experiments. She receives an unexpected gift from the elder art. 
and Nicodemus. Soon, Mrs. Brisby is caught in a conflict among the rats, jeopardizing her mission to save her family. All right. Okay, so, so it, it's a very processed uh, story. There's a big story to that. Definitely. Huh. And I can remember bits and pieces of it, but it's just on my radar because of the attachment that I have with it. Because mm. here's the thing. I was in my grandma, my grandparents' house, and I'm like, okay, what's this? That's the secret of NIM. So I popped it in, and the next thing I know, it, I winded up watching it. And it is very dark. The animation's very dark. It's horrifying. <laughs> and it, and it, I'm watching it like it, it's not even fading me, phasing me hmm. at all. Especially whenever you're dealing with Mrs. Bresby, who has a ill, Ill um, you know, kid and everything. And then she's also having to move her kids before this plower comes. Okay. So, you know, it's just, it, it tears you up on the inside and out. And you're wondering if there's family is actually going to make it out of this thing alive if there's any light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing it's actually a pretty good movie all right it's again mice but again suspense you like to to, (laughs) to, to get the on the edge of your seat when you're young right right exactly well no because like you said i get that i definitely get that all right well, that's going to do it for my number one in the top ten of animation films. Just, just by curiosity, I got a question for you before we finish. Um, sure. If there's a bit like uh, last time, but this time directed to, to the viewers, if there's one movie that the viewer uh, haven't seen, which movie on off your list you would, would you recommend them to watch? I think the reason uh, – here's the thing. I picked Secret of Nim because nobody's actually heard of it. It's actually kind of underrated in a sense. So if there's a way for you guys to actually check out The Secret of Nim, I recommend that you guys check out Secret of Nim because of how underrated it is. And you might actually feel appreciative of the fact that it's this old school kind of drawing flavor to it mm. that you haven't seen, uh, any, that you don't see anymore. So you might actually respect animation a lot more. Interesting. Uh, mine would be Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, it's so unique. It, there's nothing like it. Uh, and it, the animation is priceless. George Clooney voices the main character, so it, it's it's the perfect personally. Um, if you're not uh, into to to to, to, no, to war movies, usually it's a perfect balance. You don't have to be interested in war movies to watch this movie. You just have to like good stories. So definitely check out Fantastic Mr. Fox. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out myself because remember I haven't seen that one. So, and I'm also gonna check out the Wall too. Oh yeah, it's it, the Wall, man. It's again, if you like musicals, it's a musical like you've never seen before. It's not your traditional. It's not even your traditional movie per se. It has its own unique um, formula to storytelling. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. Well, thank you very much, man. That was this, another fun show to be on. Most definitely, man. I do appreciate you joining me again, and I'm glad that you're feeling better. Uh, congratulations to you and your girlfriend. Well, thank um, you. It's uh, you're welcome. It's, it's again a lot of like, is she moving? Is she moving? Is everything good? Contractions? How many minutes between contractions? Like we're at that phase now. <laughs> so it's it's uh, sooner or later we're gonna get that call that that moment of okay, this is the moment, and it's our lives will never be the same. <laughs> Right, it's just gonna it's gonna be that tantalization of the fact that the baby is finally here. Oh yeah, the realization. Yeah. All right. So, 
where can everyone find you at? Yeah, you can find me uh, on Twitter, uh, the Norton Schmoes handle. Uh, if you don't know what Schmoes in the North is, well, go check it out. It's very simple. We cover Schmodown wrestling. We cover movies. And now uh, I have a new show called The Frenchie Talks About, where I just have guests on talking about random subjects. We go really deep, really interesting, and uh, from a perspective of a Canadian as well. So that being said, else than that, on Facebook, Louis Monette, that's about it. Okay. And you guys can follow me on all social networks at John DeGregorio and also at Movie Lovers TV, Lovers Unite. And until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye.